all the time. Hallelujah. You know, in Matthew 13, 11, when Jesus was asked why he spoke things in parables, he says, it's because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it's not given. It says, given us, see, God wants us to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Because understand this, knowledge and understanding is power. Ignorance is poverty and weakness. Come on, say amen, somebody. When you have knowledge and understanding, it becomes powerful. Especially when you know what God is doing and you know what, where you're at in God's, you know, God's time clock. Come on, say amen, somebody. And that's what we're teaching you. We're making sure you know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Because this is always a subject. I mean, I, me and Promise was listening to the radio the other day. And this guy was, was jacking up tri- tribulation. He was jacking up the rapture. And he, had, he was saying all kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there listening to stuff, and I'm saying, where did he get all that stuff? This is on radio, you know. Amen. And you know people are listening, and they're grabbing hold of this stuff, but they're grabbing hold of error. And there was so much error in what he was saying. But the key is, I wonder if one of some of you were listening to that radio broadcast, and you could have actually detected error. See, that's the question. Can you detect the error when it's being told? Amen? That's why I'm giving you the correct information so you can detect the error because there's going to be a lot of talking on this subject in these days to come and a lot of it is going to be error, folks. Are you listening to me out here? You got people that truly believe we're already in tribulation. Amen? Glory to God. You got people that truly believe that we're not going to heaven. And our bodies will lie doormat until after Jesus comes back. <laughs> this is what's being taught on the radio, folks. Amen? But it's given to you to know. The what? The what? The what? The mysteries of the what? The kingdom. Glory to God. So we'll turn your Bible to Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 once again. Because we're talking about understanding the end times. You better know you are on God's time clock. It'll change the way you do things. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Because if you don't have God's agenda on your schedule, hello. So we're talking about understanding the end times. We talked about the rapture of the church. We talked about the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. And now we're getting a better understanding of Daniel 70 weeks, which is so confusing to a lot of people. People are confused on this area. Amen. So I'm going to go over some things again so you won't be confused because some of you probably was confused after last Sunday. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. But Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, this is considered the hub of all prophecy. 
And there's a lot of information on the end times concentrated in verses 24 through 27. And see, when we want to understand prophecy, we must always look to the Jewish people. Somebody say Jewish people. Now, if you're a Jew hater, you're in the wrong room. (laughs) Amen. Glory to God. You better get your mouth off Israel. Don't join in with people. Come on, say amen, somebody, because they are still God's people. Amen. But the hub of prophecy is not, it's not Rome. The hub of prophecy is not the United States. The hub of prophecy is always going to be Israel. Somebody say Israel. Amen. That's the center of everything. Look at Daniel 9.24. Once again, he says, 70 weeks are what? Determined upon thy people and upon thy what? Holy city. We know Daniel, you know, he asked for, he asked for revelation. And what's going to happen when we, because when, we know they was, they was getting close to the 70 years up. Were they going to be, amen, in bondage? And they was going to be let set free and they were coming to the end of that thing. And Daniel asked the question, said, what's going to happen to us? What are we going to do? And the angel answers him, or God answers him, and he gave him a little bit more than what he expected. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. And, it, and he says right here, it says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy what? Holy city, thy people are the Jews. Somebody say they are the Jews. And the holy city is what? It's Jerusalem. Somebody say Jerusalem. Amen. See, to determine where we are chronologically in reference to the rapture and the end time events, we must look to Israel and specifically to Jerusalem. Amen. And the Jewish people. So it says 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy what? holy city to finish the what? Transgression to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and seal up the vision and prophecy and to what? To anoint the most holy. Somebody say to anoint the most holy. And once again, although it's been translated to anoint the most holy, the Hebrew actually says to cleanse the holies of holies. Somebody say to cleanse. The holies of holies. And this is referring to the final cleansing of the temple, which will occur when Jesus comes to sit on the throne during his millennium reign or the thousand year reign. Amen. And see, God is revealing to Daniel, once you are released from captivity, there will be 490 years until the millennium reign of Christ. Say it again. God is revealing to Daniel, once you are released from captivity, there will be how many years? 490 years until the millennium reign of Christ or the thousand year what? Reign. Look at verse 25. He says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build, the Jerusalem, build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be what? Seven weeks. Read that again now. He says, know therefore and what? He said, knowing what? Because why? This is going to be a, a, a really important date on your calendar. He said, no one understand it. That from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build with Jerusalem. In other words, this is going to take place and that's going to start a clock. Are you following me? He said that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah... The prince shall be what? Seven. seven weeks. Somebody say seven weeks. And what? Three score and what? Two weeks. And the street shall be what? 
build again and the wall even in what? Troublous times. God is telling Daniel, Daniel, the next 490 years will begin when the king of that day gives a decree to rebuild Jerusalem and the sanctuary. And that decree, if you read Nehemiah chapter 2, that decree was given by King Artaxerxes. Come on, say amen, somebody. He was a Persian king who allowed the children of Israel to rebuild the city. And that's when the clock began. He told Daniel, when this happens, something's going to start. Notice verse 25 says, from the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the sanctuary until what? Until the Messiah would be what? Seven weeks and three score and two weeks. We have two time periods mentioned in this verse. We have seven weeks and what? 62 weeks. Somebody say seven weeks and 62 weeks. Come on, say seven weeks. That's 62 weeks. Again, the Greek, the word week here in the Hebrew is Shabua, which literally means segments of seven. Say segments of seven. Come on, say it again. Say segments of what? Seven. Therefore, if one day is equivalent to one year in Daniel's prophecy. And if every week is a segment of seven, then one week equals seven years. What does one week equal? What's one week equal? What's one week equal? I'm going to test you. <laughs> How many years? Seven years. Now, if one week equals seven years, seven weeks, he said here, multiplied by seven equals what? 49 years. Seven weeks multiplied by seven equals what? 49 years. Amen. So verse, verse 25 is saying, from the, the, from the time the decree is given until the city is rebuilt will be how many years? 49 years. Say 49 years. Look at verse 26. It says, after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be what? Cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince shall come, shall, shall, come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be a what? With a flood and unto the end of the war, desolations are what? Are determined. Now the next period mentioned here is what? Three score and two weeks, which we know a score is 20. So three score is what? 60 plus 2. That's 62. Amen? So that's how many weeks? This equals what? 62 weeks. How many weeks? 62 what? Now, when we multiply that by 7, equals what? 434 years. I'm not going to have you rack your brain. <laughs> 400 and what? 34 years. Now, understand this. This is biblical history. 
It took 49 years exactly to rebuild the city. And from that time until the Messiah was cut off at the cross was an additional 434 years. So you have 49 years plus the 434 years, which equals a total of 483 years. <laughs> How many years? After the decree was given to rebuild the city, and, and then it was what? Then he was cut off. Somebody say he was cut off. So after three score and two weeks, it says, shall Messiah Jesus be what? Messiah, Jesus be what? Cut off, but not for himself. If Jesus was cut off, but not for himself, who was he cut off for? For me and you. Come on, he was cut off for us. He went to the cross for us, folks. He went to, listen, he went to the cross exactly at the end of Daniel's 69th weeks, which is 483 years to the T. You can't tell me God is not exact. You can't tell me God don't have a time clock. Tell your neighbor, God has a time clock. Come on. He went to the cross exactly how many years? 483 years after the decree was given to rebuild the city. That's 483 years. But what did God tell Daniel? There'd be year, how many years he said it was going to be? 400 and what? 90 years. 400 and what? 90 years. So that means if we've already went through 69 weeks, which is 483 years, right? 69 weeks is 483 years. And he, God said it'd be 490 years. How many weeks we have left? Remember, there's 70 weeks. The 69 weeks, 69 weeks equals 483 years. Okay? He said 490 years, which is 70 weeks. So how many weeks are left? Which equals to how many years? Seven years. 483 plus 7 equals 490. So we got it now. Do I need to go over that again? Come on, 69 weeks. It was 69 weeks exactly up to the cross. 483 years. Are you following me out there? Amen. Now we're going to go through, give you an example again. Amen. 483 years up to the cross. Remember it said Messiah's cut off after what? After what? 49 or 7 weeks and what? 62 weeks, right? That's 69 weeks. Messiah would be what? Messiah would be what? That means Jesus went to the cross. After what? 483 years, which equals 69 weeks. But he said 70 weeks. So we still have one week remaining. So you got it now. You got it now. Amen. 
See, unknown to Daniel, the Old Testament saints and even disciples, unknown to them was the church, folks. And remember, the church was a mystery. And then the church was inserted between Daniel's 69th week and Daniel's 70 weeks. That's when God inserted us, the church. And let me give you a good example of this right now. Once again, I want you to picture God holding two stopwatches. Amen? One represents Jewish time. The other represents the church age. Somebody say Jewish time, church age. Come on, say Jewish time, church age. Remember he said when the decree would go forth, right, to rebuild the temple, that's when the clock what? Start ticking, right? So when the decree went forth to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple, God pulled out the Jewish stopwatch, and it began what? It began what? It began ticking. Now, it ticked and ticked and ticked for 49 years. And during the 49 years, what happened? The city was rebuilt. The wall was completed. The temple was rebuilt. Say amen. Then it continued ticking for another what? 62 weeks, which is what? 434 years. It's still what? It's still what? It's still what? Ticking. Now, 434 plus 49 equals what? 483 years. So for 483 years, that clock was still what? That clock was still what? Sticking. Now, at the end of the 48, 483 years, Daniel's 69th week, what happened? What happened during that time? What happened during that time? No, what happened during that time? At the end of the 69th week, what happened? Messiah was cut off. Jesus went to the cross. He stopped the clock. <laughs> At the end of the 40 and 83 years, Jesus went to the cross and said it was what? Finish. And that's when God did what? Stop the Jewish stopwatch. Seven years before it was complete. All right, follow me out here. On the day of Pentecost, what did God do? God then reached into his pocket and picked up and started the second stopwatch, which is the church age, which is us. What happened? The Holy Spirit descended. God started the second stopwatch. The church age and the church age began, and guess what? Now this clock is ticking. Why this clock is still stopped? Now this clock is what ticking, and it's been ticking for some two thousand years. Somebody say two thousand years. But understand this: this stopwatch, it's a, it's about to tick its last tick, folks. Why? Because Jesus is about to come back for his church. And see, when he returns at the rapture of the church, God is going to stop the second stopwatch. 
throw it away because why? He'll no longer need it. Then he'll do what? Reach back in his pocket and pick up the Jewish stopwatch and restart it and the last seven years of Jewish time will begin to what? Tick away. Did you understand that? Do you understand that? Do you understand we're in between the 69th and 70 week. God stopped the clock just for us. Just so we to have the opportunity to get in. Come on, say amen somebody. See, if you left it up to them, we're going to talk about it. They thought this thing was over. They didn't have us in mind, but God had us in mind. Somebody say, God had us in mind. That's why he said, I got to stop the clock. Because I got some people in word of faith that need to get in. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So let's look at verse 26. So the, seven, the, seven, the last seven years of Jewish time begin to tick away, and that is what? That's Daniel's 70th week. That's the what? 70th week. Look at verse 26 again. And at the three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall, that shall, come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a what? Flood, and unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. The prince that shall come is the Antichrist. Is the who? He's the Antichrist who will rule the revived Roman Empire. And see, the Romans controlled the area from Italy into Europe, Great Britain, as far as Germany, folks. This verse is saying that when the Messiah is cut off at the cross... The people or the prince that is yet to come, talking about Rome, would destroy the temple in the city of Jerusalem. Amen? Now look at verse 27. Because that's where we left off, left off last Sunday. Daniel verse 27 says that he shall what? Listen to this closely now. Because all this lines up with the book of Revelations. Then he shall confirm the covenant with many for what? For what? One week. And in the midst of the week, he shall what? Cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the what? Consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Underline the words many. In your Bible, if you have your Bible, or write it down, word many. And see, the many in this verse is a reference to the Jews. Somebody say the Jews. Now, it says here, he should confirm the covenant with many for how many days? For how long? For how long? Or what is one week? How many? Seven years. Somebody say seven years. So the one week here is the seven years of tribulation. Think about it. Do you see the Antichrist sitting in Jerusalem right now? So why would people say the tribulations already began? Come on, say amen, somebody. See, that one week here is the seven years of what? Tribulation. See, as the church age comes to a close, Israel will rise again. Somebody say Israel will rise again. 
During the tribulation, the earth will revert for seven more years of Jewish time. Are you with me out here? The temple will exist. Matter of fact, they got, they're collecting artifacts for the temple right now as we speak, folks. The temple will exist and sacrifices will again be made because Jewish time will have been reinstated. No longer will God be dealing with the church. Come on. Why? Because he's going to unearth the treasure who is Israel and he'll operate through that nation once again. Amen. And see, understand, if you read the book of Revelation, the, verse, the first converts following the rapture of the church will be 12,000 out of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. What's going to happen? They will, immediately, they will immediately receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And evangelism will go forth from Jerusalem and spread throughout the entire earth. Now these initial converts are the 144,000 Jews at one time the <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses thought they were. <laughs> until, they, until they found out they started dying off. So they had to change their theology. <laughs> Somebody got to be left to be 144,000. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. But it says there, the initial converse is what? 144,000 Jews from every tribe of Israel who will receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And guess what? Those 144,000 Jews will be doing the evangelism. Amen. Amen. And understand this. The minute the church is removed from the earth, the earth reverts back to the time of the cross where Jewish time originally stopped. Did you get it? The minute the church, the minute we're out of here, the earth will reverse back to the time of the cross where Jewish time originally what? Stopped. See, at the time of the cross, who was the dominant force? Israel was a dominant force in the earth under Roman authority. Amen. Amen. Forty years following Jesus' death on the cross, everything changed. Some might say everything changed. Rome was still in power, but Israel was scattered in 70 A.D. Rome. Amen. 70 A.D. Rome, what? Increasingly degenerated during the years that followed until it disappeared from the, as a world empire. The city of Rome still exists, but not in the, in the same power as it was before. Are you with me out here? Amen. See, the power did what? The power shifted from the Roman Empire that was once displayed. The power shifted from, the, to, from Rome to Gentile nations around the world. And no longer was there a single dominant force in the earth. And see, during the church age, no single world empire has existed with the exception of the church itself. Talking about us. Are you with me out here? But the question is, why are Rome and Israel so important? It's because Daniel's 69th week ended when Rome was in power. Ain't that what you read when you read the, 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 the Gospels? Are you here about what? Roman dominion. Are you with me out here? At the end of Daniel's 69th week, Rome was what? Rome was in power and Israel was under their authority. Y'all do read your Bible, right? Y'all do read your Bible, right? Amen. Now, at the end of the 69th week, what happened? The church was inserted. 
See, Daniel was unaware of the church because why? To Daniel, it was a mystery to him. He didn't know anything about the church. See, Daniel saw all the weeks happening sequentially with no gaps. He didn't see any gaps in between here. He thought this thing was going all, going all the way through. He honestly believed that the 490 years from the time the decree was given, he actually believed the Messiah was coming after the 490 years consecutively. Come on, with me out here. And see, this is the same reason the disciples believed the kingdom was coming at any time. Read the Gospels. Amen. See, by their calculations, the kingdom was at, at a minimum seven years away, and they were excited, folks. Come on. See, about the time the disciples believed that, listen, about the time the disciples believed that Daniel's 70 week was approaching, what happened? Jesus appears on the scene. So wouldn't that make you even more excited? Come on. And Jesus begins preaching about the kingdom. So now they're really excited. This thing's about to come to an end. But then they ask the question, go to, go to Matthew 20, 20. So by the time disciples believed Daniel's 70 week was approaching, Jesus shows up, appears on the scene, and he begins to preach about this kingdom. And now they're really excited, folks. Because they said, we about to check up out of here, or we about to have dominion in, because we've been under this Roman authority for a long time. So it says in verse 20, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him, and desiring a what? Certain things of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She said unto him, Grant. That my what? That my two sons may what? Sit the one on their right hand and the other on the left in thy what? Kingdom. Because why? They thought this thing was coming to an end. I want my sons to be sitting right beside you. And you see, just like the crowd, the disciples believed Jesus had come to what? They believed he had come to destroy the Roman Empire. And set up his eternal kingdom on earth. Because why? Because of Daniel's prophecy. They were following Daniel's prophecy. They had no idea that after the 69th week, Jewish time would be suspended for some 2,000 years. They thought this thing was over. And then we happened. <laughs> Amen. Go to Acts 1.3. That's why they was upset when Jesus went to the cross. They said, what mean at this? We thought you was coming back to set up the kingdom and you're dead? Come on. Because they didn't see the church. Because the church was a, the church was a, the church was a mystery. You were a mystery to them. Acts 1.3. It says, to whom also he showed himself alive after his what? Passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them how many days? Forty days is after he died, he rose again, speaking of the things pertaining to the what? Kingdom of God. And it says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they what? Should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have what? Heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you should be baptized with what? With the Holy Ghost, not what? Many days hence. Verse 8. But you shall receive what? Power after what? 
The Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you should be witnesses unto me both where? In Jerusalem, and all what? Judea, and all what? Samaria, and unto the othermost part of the earth. Now notice he says I, yeah, that you heard of me before. I said this before to you. When they say it, go to Luke 24, 49. He says in verse, in, in verse 4, he says, you have heard of me. I said this to you before. In Luke 24, 49, he's reiterating what he told them. And he said, behold, I send what? The promise of the Father upon you. But tarry you what? And it's in the Jerusalem until you what? Being due with what? Power from on high. Understand this. See, Jesus knew that once they received the Holy Spirit, they would understand a new dispensation had begun. However, the moment Jesus finished speaking to them and asked, they asked a question. Go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 6. The moment Jesus finished speaking to this, this to them, they asked a question. What was the question they asked? Acts chapter 1, verse 6. It says, When they therefore shall come together, they ask of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Would they ask? Are you going to be able to do what? Are you going to do what? Restore the what? The kingdom of what? Of Israel. Amen. Then he said, and he said unto them, it is not for you want to know the times or the seasons which the Father has what? Put in his own power. Now go down to verse 9. And when he has spoken these things, somebody say he's spoken these things. When he has spoken these things while they beheld, he was what? Taken up and in a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in a like manner as you have seen him go into what? Heaven. See, the angel was not referring to the rapture. They're referring to the second event or the second coming because why? Even they did not know about the rapture yet. It was a mystery to them. So there were only three who knew about the coming of the church. That was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. They're the only three that knew about you. Come on, are you with me out here? Disciples did not know. The angels did not know. The demons did not know. And Satan himself did not know. Now, even though the disciples were looking for the kingdom, guess what? They went to the upper room, and when they came down out of that upper room, lo and behold, guess what? A, a whole new dispensation had begun. Are you with me out here? Amen? See, they didn't know all this. Saying they, but they didn't know all this. But when they came down, they knew something had changed, and something was about to happen. See, not only were the disciples surprised, guess what? Satan was surprised. The demons of hell were surprised. And the angels in heaven, they were looking like at each other saying, what mean of this? We didn't know this was on the calendar. Why, God was smiling and saying, hey, 
there's been a change of operation. Come on, are you with me out here? He's God. He can do that. Let me say it again. He's God. He can do that. And see, God said the people that you once brought revelation to, you will now be learning from. You will attend their services and will be taught by them. And this is what Peter was referring to in 1 Peter 1.12. Turn there. Come on, are you with me out there? Come on, to you to know the what? The mysteries of the kingdom of God. You're not going, you're not, you're paying attention, right? You're paying attention, right? Okay. <laughs> First Peter 1 Peter 1.12. Unto whom it was revealed, not that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did what? Minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the what? Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into because they didn't see it. Let's read it from the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation reads it this way. They were told that their message were not, were not for themselves, but for who? For you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preach in the power of what? Of the Holy Spirit sent from where? Heaven. It is, it is, it is all so wonderful that even angels... Are what? Eagerly watching these things happen. They're sitting back there marvelous and wow. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, when the end of the church age is nearing, once again, what happens is Jerusalem and the Jews will return to a place of prominence in the earth. That's why you can't give up on Israel, folks. And during that time, Rome, somebody say Rome, Rome will rise up. And the moment the church is removed, everything reverts to the time of the cross because God has to complete what has not been completed. Which is what? Which is what? The seven years of what? The seven years of what? Of tribulation. I tell you, y'all getting kind of slow out there. Do I need to go back over all the stuff over again? Did I, move, did I lose somebody somewhere along the line? And we know Jewish time has only been what? Temporarily stopped. Somebody say temporarily stopped. But it has not been completed. Are you listening to me? It hasn't been what? Completed. Once the church is removed from the earth, Israel will again be under the authority of a Roman Empire. Somebody say Roman Empire. But it will be the revived Roman Empire. Somebody say revived Roman Empire. And the leader of the revived Roman Empire will make a covenant with Israel for seven years. And remember it says, remember it said, in the, in the midst of the week. Did you read that? In the midst of the week. The leader, let's, leader of Israel, the leader of the revival empire will make a covenant with Israel for how many years? Seven years. And for the first three and a half years, Israel will believe that this leader is their Messiah. For the first what? Three and a half years. But in the middle of the tribulation... He will break his covenant and treaty with Israel 
and he'll reveal himself as the Antichrist. You got it? <laughs> Let me say it again. Amen. The leader of revived empire will make a what? Covenant of Israel for seven years. And for the first three and a half years, Israel what? They'll believe that this leader is their Messiah. That's what it said in verse 27, folks. Okay, let's go back to verse 27. If you can get back to verse 27, go back to verse 27. And he, the Antichrist, shall what? Confirm what? The covenant with many. Talking about the Jews for how many years? For how many years? Seven years. And then the what? And then the what? That's in the middle of the week or the middle of the what? Seven years, which is what? Three and a half years in the middle of the what? Tribulation. Somebody say the middle of tribulation. Come on, say in the middle of the tribulation. So the first three and a half years, Israel will believe this, this leader is their what? Messiah. But in the middle of the tribulation, three and a half years, he's going to do what? He's going to break the covenant. He's going to break the treaty with Israel and reveal himself as the what? As the what? Antichrist. Now the question is, how do we know the church age is coming to a close? The first place to look is always Israel. Somebody say Israel. Many Jews have returned to Israel, folks. And many more will return when Jesus comes for, for us after the rapture of the church. Amen. You'll find a, a large group of people going back to Israel. That's a sign. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. That what? Our church age is coming to a close. Also, look at the rise of the revised or the revived Roman Empire. Now, although it has been revised, it's the European Economic Community, the EEC. Have you heard of that before? Have you ever heard of that before? The European ECC is on the rise, and they are becoming strong again. Now, at the moment, there are only 12 nations involved. But when the tribulation begins, there will only be 10 nations in the EEC. Are you with me out here? And see, when God stopped the Jewish time at the cross, see, they could look into the future and see the coming Jesus, but it was at a distance. Some might say at a distance. And see, the Jews have been sitting at the stop sign for what? 2,000 years, and the day is fast approaching when God will finally say, okay. It's time for the Jewish time to be completed. Israel will have its final seven years of Jewish time to find Jesus as their Lord and Savior. See, the tribulation is more about the Jews and, and the, 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 um, the, the, the heathen than anything else. Are you listening to me out there? It's more about them and, the, and those that won't follow God. Judgment. So look at verse 9, 27 again. Look at it again. And he, who's he? Antichrist. And he, 
The what? Antichrist shall confirm the covenant with many. In other, in other words, he set a covenant in the treaty with Israel. For many Jews for seven years. How many years? Which is what? That one week, right? And then the what? Midst of the week or in the middle of the what? Seven years or three and a half years. He shall do what? What's he going to do? He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to what? Cease. Let's stop right here. During the first half of the tribulation, once again, the, blue, the Jews will want, believe that Jesus is, I mean, they will believe that the Antichrist is who? Their Messiah. And they'll receive him as such. What's he going to do? He's going to make a covenant with them. And he's going to promise them protection from all the surrounding hostile nations. And at this time, America will not be the most powerful nation on the earth. Say it again. At this time, America will not be the most powerful nation on the earth. The power will shift to Europe. And Israel will have an ally with Europe, the most powerful nation in the world. But what Israel won't realize is that the leader of this Europe nation now, it's in power, or the revived Roman Empire, will pull them into servitude. And see, and what will mark the middle of the tribulation, what will mark that middle of tribulation, is this leader will break his covenant with Israel. And the Jewish people, he will walk into the temple in Jerusalem, sit on the throne reserved for the true Messiah, and he'll command the sacrifices to stop and demand that they bow down and worship him. And this is when the Jews will realize that he's not the Messiah. <laughs> and that's why the Bible said there'd be great weeping and wailing in Jerusalem, folks. However, remember, there's still people getting saved during the tribulation period. And not some, a lot of them are Christians now. And there will be there, many of them who are Christian, they'll understand. They'll understand because it's, to them it's given to what? To know the mysteries. They will understand those that are Christians that got saved during the tribulation. They'll understand when that happens, this marks a very important day. And the Bible says they will flee to the mountains in obedience to God's commands. They say it's time to get up out of here. Things is about to really get crazy here. Come on. Amen. Let's read the, verse, the, rest of verse, the rest of verse 27. It says, And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it what? Desolate. Even unto the what? Consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the what? The desolate. The Antichrist, who is the desolator, will literally desecrate the temple. He will bring humiliation to the people. And this all takes place during the what? The final three and a half years of tribulation. Now, still looking in the book of Daniel, let's look at chapter 2. Now, did you get all that? Are you understanding this now? It's to you, that's what? God wants you to know the what? The mysteries of the kingdom. It's for you to know. Somebody say for you to know. How many people have heard about Daniel chapter 2? About the statue. Come on, the gold and the silver. And the, come on. 
All that was revealed to Daniel. So chapter 2 of Daniel describes a horrible dream King Nebuchadnezzar had. And it describes Daniel's interpretation of that dream. Now, King in King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, it was so horrible that he woke up in a cold sweat, folks. Now, he could not remember the dream, but he knew that this thing was bad. Amen? It disturbed him so much that he called for all his magicians, all his astrologers, all his sorcerers to find an interpretation, an interpretation of this dream. And the king, wise men, they asked the king, they said, explain to us the dream. But the king couldn't remember it. So the king told his wise men, there'll be great rewards for the one who can interpret the dream. But a violent death <laughs> to the men and their families if they couldn't. And then the wise men said, they said, wait a minute. There is no man on the face of this planet who can interpret a dream if he doesn't know what the dream is. And in his anger, Nebuchadnezzar sent forth a decree saying, kill them all. <laughs> all the wise men got to be killed. He said, wipe them all out. So when the king's men came for Daniel because of the decree, Daniel spoke with great wisdom asking for some time so that he could what? He could find an interpretation for the king. Then Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego sought the Lord to give the dream and interpretation of the dream to Daniel. And what did God do? God gave him the interpretation. And Daniel went to the king and said, I'm going to give you the interpretation of this dream. Not to glorify me, but so that you may know that there is a God in heaven who knows what's in your heart. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. So here in Daniel 2.31, Daniel gives the interpretation. Are you learning anything today? Are you learning anything today? <laughs> Daniel 2.31. I said, thou, O king, solve. If you don't learn, get the CD. <laughs> Go over this again. Thou, O king, solve and behold a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet of iron and part of clay. All this is symbolic, folks. What Daniel described was an image. The head was made of what? Gold. The chest and arms were made of what? Silver. The belly and thighs were made of what? Brass. The legs of iron and the feet a mixture of what? Both iron and what? Clay. Now the clay being referred to as a potter's clay, it has been baked and it's very brittle. Some might say very brittle. And it can break easily. Notice there's a degeneration of substances used in the image. It started with gold. Then silver, and then it started degenerating. Are you, did you notice that? Come on. The head of gold represents Babylon. And the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, who he's telling this interpretation to. So the head of gold represents who? Babylon and the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. 
Nebuchadnezzar had a great giant golden image built for himself. <laughs> Amen. Why? He believed he was the most important person on the face of the planet. And as a result, because of his pride, for seven years, he roamed the earth like an animal. God lowered him down. And when he finally came to the end of himself, he acknowledged God and accepted him as a true and living God. Amen. See, in Daniel chapter 5, there's a transition between Babylonian rule and the Medes and Persian rule. The Medes and Persians, somebody say Medes and Persian, represents the two arms of silver. Somebody say Medes and Persians. The Medes and Persians conquered Babylon and were the next world empire that reigned. So it was Babylon, then what? Who conquered Babylon? Medes and Persians, amen. The kingdom of Babylon, listen, the kingdom of Babylon was conquered in one night. Somebody say one night. So, what's the arms? Medes and Persians. Now, the belly and thighs of brass represent the Greek empire under Alexander the Great. Anybody ever heard of him? Under who? Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great conquered the, listen, he conquered the entire known world in 12 years. And how many years? 12 years. Now, towards the end of Alexander's reign, his kingdom was divided into four nations under four different kings, all striving for power. And one finally did rise up and dominate the others, and the nation that rose up in power was Rome. Was who? Rome. The two legs of iron represent the Roman Empire. So you have who? Babylon, the Medes and Persians, Greeks, <laughs> and then who? Now who? Now Rome. Daniel seeing all this. Rome wasn't nowhere in the picture when he was he was he was born when he was saying this. Come on. But he's seeing this vision. Come on, are you with me out here? Amen. Amen. Now, the Roman Empire was the longest Roman, well, they were the longest empire that ruled, or they ruled the longest of any other empire. They ruled for over 1,000 years. Jesus was born during when? During when? During what? The Roman Empire. The feet, remember it's the feet, right? The feet represent the revived Roman Empire and the time of tribulation. Let's say the feet. When the Roman Empire is revived, it will not have the same power it once had. The entire world is represented in the what? The iron clay of the feet. Somebody say the iron clay. Remember it said iron clay of the feet. The entire world is represented in the iron clay of the feet. The iron is, is what? The iron is a revived Roman Empire. Somebody say the iron is revived Roman Empire. And the clay represents all other nations in the world. You got it? Now people always ask, this question they ask, well where would the United States be in all this? The United States will be one of the clay nations. 
Somebody say clay nations. Once again, during the tribulation, America will no longer be the power it currently is in the world today. All emphasis will shift to Rome in regard to world domination. Come on right with me out here. Now note this. Iron and clay do iron iron and clay do not mix well. If they do mix, it's a very fragile relationship. Teaching us what? Teaching us to see some people teach you hear a lot. Some people teach that Rome will control or the Antichrist will, untold, will control the entire world. That's not true. He will not control the entire world. Now Rome will try to dominate, but there will be nations against them throughout the tribulation period. Amen. They'll be very loose control as they try to dominate the world. They try, but he'll never control the entire world. Now, probably the most fragile part of the body represented in the image is the feet. Somebody say feet. Why? Because without the feet, getting from one place to another becomes what? Very difficult without some type of assistance. So look at verse 34. It says, and thou sawest not, not till that a what? That a what? Stone was what? Cut without hands, which did what? Where did he smite him at? For his feet, that they're what? Were iron and clay, and did what? What did he do? What did he do? The stone is Jesus. Being cut without hand, Represents the virgin birth. So he saw what? The stone that was what? Couple of odd hands. What did he do? He smote the image upon his feet and were, that were what? Iron and clay. And he break them in pieces. Verse 35. Then was the iron and clay and brass and silver and gold broken, piece, broken to pieces together and became like what? The shaft of the summer threshing floor and the winds carried them away that no place was found for them. The stone will strike the image on his feet. And because the clay is so brittle, the image will what? Will topple to the ground completely destroyed. And the stone Jesus that smote the image will become a great mountain and fill the whole earth. After the image is destroyed, the stone, Jesus will what? He'll rise up and reign, and the reign of the Lord will cover the entire earth, folks. That's when, that's when the thousand-year reign of Jesus will begin. Where's the church at? The church is found between the legs and the feet. For 2,000 years, an empire has existed called the church, folks. That's us. Daniel did not see it in the image because why? The church is part of the mystery. He did not see it in the image. See, Daniel saw the entire image flowing together. One nation's dominion following another. He did not understand that the church would be inserted before the tribulation. He seen everything flowing all together. He didn't know there's going to be a pause. Are you with me out here? Amen. Daniel's seen a lot. Could you imagine being in his place? Let's look. You got time for one more? How about y'all in the back? Y'all got time for one more? Let's look at Daniel chapter 7. 
Come on, you got to read your Bible. The Bible's pretty interesting, you know. <laughs> Daniel chapter 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. And a vision of his head was upon his bed, and he wrote the dream and told us some of the matters. Verse 2, Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, four winds of the heaven strove upon the what? Great seas. Now, the four winds of heaven is the moving of history. Somebody say, moving of history. Somebody say, moving of history. Come on. It's what? Nations conquering nations. He's, he's seeing all this. Nations conquering nations. War, times changing. And see, God is in control of nations and he's in control of history. I'm saying it again. God's in control of nations and he's in control of history. Now, it says here, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the what? Great sea. The great sea represents all the Gentile nations of the earth. All the what? Gentile nations of the earth. Now, verse 3 says, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse from one another. Four great beasts did what? Came up from the sea, diverse from one another. Listen to me now. The beast described can be compared to the different parts of the image Daniel described in chapter 2. The gold, the silver, the brass, the iron. Come on. They're compared to the different parts of the image described in Daniel chapter 2. Look at verse 4. The first was like a what? Like a what? Lion and had what? Eagle's wings. And I, I beheld to these wings therefore were plucked and it was lifted from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. The first beast described here was a what? Lion with what? Wings. Say lion with wings. This is who? This is Babylon. During the reign of who? Nebuchadnezzar, which was a rapidly rising empire. The lion is the king of the beasts. Isn't that right? So the lion is king of the beasts is a very strong animal with wings. If a lion has wings, that lion is not only strong, but it's also quick. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, the beast represents a strong nation rising rapidly to power. Look at verse 5. And behold, another beast. A second like a what? A bear. And it raises up itself on one side. And it has three ribs in the mouth. Let me get me getting hungry. <laughs> and it has three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour my flesh. The second beast described was like a bear that what? Raised itself up and had three ribs in his mouth. This beast represents the Medes and the Persians. Remember that? And the three ribs represent the divisions of the different nations conquered. Now listen. The next beast is Alexander the Great. Somebody say Alexander the Great. The Greek Empire represents the third beast. What's, that? What's the first beast? Babylon. Second beast is what? Medes and the Persian. And the third beast is who? The Greek Empire. Somebody say Greek Empire. 
Verse 6, and after this I beheld, and lo, another like a what? Leopard, which had upon the, it's upon the back of its four wings of a fowl. The beast had also what? Four heads, and dominion was given to it. It says like a leopard. Like a what? Leopard. But it too has what? Wings. See, a leopard is known for its speed, folks. Amen. And when it, if it has wings, it would be a very fast creature. Are you with me out here? The beast represents, listen, the beast represents how rapidly Alexander the Great rose to power and conquered all the nations of the known world. Listen, Alexander the Great, have you, anybody ever read about Alexander the Great? Alexander the Great was a brilliant man. And he was, he was one of the, he was, listen, he was one of the true geniuses of history. Are you with me out here? Alexander understood that to conquer the entire world, there would need to be a common language. In a very short time, Alexander invented a language called Koine Greek. Koine means common. Somebody say common. Alexander invented a street language. He created a language that the average person could understand and he taught it to his army and the entire nation. And each time his armies would conquer a nation, they would force that nation to learn the Koine Greek. But guess what? It was God that inspired him to do it. What? God inspired Alexander to create a coin Greek. Coin Greek language in what? In preparation for the writing of the New Testament. So the gospel could be taken to the entire world because he had conquered the entire world. So that the disciples could go to nation to nation speaking coin Greek and everyone could understand. Amen. Come on, you gotta see them. <laughs> Can you see God? Yes. Now, the language is not a supernatural language, but the formation of it was supernatural, folks. God ordained it and He used an unbeliever to cause it to come to pass. Amen. You hear what I just said? He used a what? An unbeliever to cause it to come to pass. Alexander wasn't, he was an unbeliever, folks. He died an unbeliever. He died an alcoholic. But God used this, his brilliance. God used his brilliance to bring about coin Greek and the rapper conquering of the world. God used it. Why? So he could spread the gospel. Awesome. Listen, in just 12 years, the entire world spoke the same language. You know, this said 12 years, the entire world spoke the same language. Could you imagine being able to spread the gospel? You can't even go to Puerto Rico. You don't know what they're saying. Come on. You can't preach to nobody in Puerto Rico. You be trying to say, get my phone app, get my translation app. <laughs> but do you understand now? Now, verse 7 talks about the fourth beast. It's given, it's given no name because Daniel has never seen the beast that looks like this one. Verse 7 says, After this, I saw a what? And night vision, we're almost done. Night vision, a, behold a what? 
fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, strong exceedingly, and had a great iron teeth. What kind of teeth? Iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. It did what? It devoured and break in pieces and did what? Stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had what? Ten horns. This beast represents who? Who's left? Who's left, Yvonne? <laughs> Rome! <laughs> Who's left? Rome. Somebody say Rome was left. This beast represents Rome and the revived Roman Empire. Somebody say, I'm glad he didn't call me. Come on. <laughs> Amen. So he's describing the fourth beast. Daniel says, Behold, the fourth beast is dreadful and terrible, and he's strong what? Exceedingly. And it had what? Great iron teeth. That was the key right there. Iron teeth. Iron is mentioned where? In Daniel chapter 2, representing who? Rome. Then it says, It devoured and break in pieces, and he stamped the residue with the feet of it. See, it was common for Rome to destroy a nation they had come. I mean, they would destroy the nation. Then they return and plow it under. At an insult to injury, after plowing the nation under, they would actually open up some salt or often pour salt on the ground to prevent it from ever producing again. And see, not only did they devour the nation, they stamped it out with their feet. Then it says, and it was diverse from all the, from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Now, this beast is different from the previous beast because why? It diminishes as were, as it were power, but then rises again. Remember? Rome diminished, but it's going to what? Rise again as the what? Revived Roman Empire. And he said, I considered the horns in verse 8, and behold, there came up among them another little horn. Somebody say little horn. Somebody say little horn. Before whom... There were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. The beast is described as having ten horns. Somebody said ten horns. The ten horns, anybody know, represents what? The ten nations of the what? Revived Roman Empire. Are you following me out here? What they represent? The ten nations of fire. And if you look, if you go back to chapter two, you've seen ten toes. Ten toes in the image described in Daniel chapter two, which also represented what? Ten nations. Now it says here, and there came up from among them another little horn. That little horn that rises up is the Antichrist. Somebody say Antichrist. Tell me, neighbor, it's real. He will come. But you won't be here anyway. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> you won't be left behind. Okay, amen. <laughs> so, little horn that rises up in the Antichrist. The Antichrist will immediately destroy three nations. Say three nations. Because notice it says, before whom there will be 
three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. He's going to destroy three of the nations. Somebody say three nations. Amen. Which will probably, that, that's going to establish his power in the EEC. Because when he destroys them, them three nations, guess what? They all going to start listening to him. They say, hey, we better, we, we better join him. Come on, say amen, somebody. That's going to establish his power. Now look at verse 9. And I beheld, beheld till the thrones were what? Cast down, and the ancients of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. Who is the ancient of days? It's God the Father himself. He's always described as the ancient of days. Verse 10, a fiery stream issued and came forth from him, before him. Thousands and thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him. Ain't that in the book of Revelations? Where they worship the King of kings and the Lord of they worship God. Come on, say amen. Somebody. And judgment was set, and the books were open. What was Daniel doing? Daniel was seeing the outcome of history. Think about that. You're seeing all the way down, thousands and thousands of years down the road. He's seeing judgment upon the nations. He's seeing the establishment of Christ's kingdom. See, listen, we see in Daniel chapter 2, the stone was cut out without hands. Daniel is receiving a step-by-step program of the end-time events which coincides with the book of Revelations. Verse 11, and I beheld then came because of the voice of the great words which, which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body, what, destroyed and given to the, what, burning flame. Daniel witnessed the judgment of the nation and he also seen the Antichrist being burned up. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. The beast, he's talking about Babylon, Persia, and Greek. They'll be restored, but they will fall again. Then you see, amen, verse 13. We're going to see the Son of Man receiving his kingdom in verse 13. He said, I saw in the night vision, behold, one like the what? Son of Man. Who is that Son of Man? Jesus. He came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days, God the Father. And they brought him near before him. And there was given him what? Dominion and glory and a what? Kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should what? Serve him. His dominion is a what? Everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom that shall not be destroyed. What's his name? Jesus. Glory to God. But could you imagine being in Daniel's shoes? Seeing all of this. All the way to the end of days. That's why it's good for us to know these things. Because why? We know God's in control. And I don't have to be afraid of anything. There is no fear because why? The Antichrist, I wouldn't even be here when the Antichrist show up. Why? Because I'm serving the Lord of Lords. I'm serving the God of the universe. I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, say amen, somebody. So lift your hands and give God praise.
Come on, lift your hands and give God glory. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that excites me. Glory to God. See, we ain't got to read about it in the news. <laughs> it's for us to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Remember, Jesus said, when you see these things come in the past, look up. Come on, are you with me out here? He said, do what? Look up. But it's for you to know when these times, when these times are coming to pass, Come on, don't be up there in the land of oblivion. Amen. And things is happening, you ain't looking. You're not paying attention. You got to start paying attention to what's going on in this world. Amen. And no, time is getting short, folks. The time you think you have, you may not have. Amen. Come on, say amen, somebody. Hallelujah. That's why it's about, it's, it's time to get about doing what God tells you to do. Not what you want to do, what you think you want to do. Come on, say amen, somebody. You better find out what God's plan is for your life. You better go about doing that. Because you're going to be held accountable in a short period of time. Amen. Throughout the Bible talks about, I thought we had time. No. He said, when you see these things coming to pass, and we're seeing things coming to pass in our lifetime that has never been witnessed in the history of this planet. And it's nothing but a fulfillment of prophecy. Everything that we're seeing today has already been prophesied. It ain't no, it ain't nothing new to us. But we're supposed to make, he said, supposed to make us aware of what time we're in. And we shouldn't be going around aimlessly confused. And we're supposed to be his children. We're supposed to know what's going on. Father, we thank and we praise and we glorify.